You are tuning in to another episode of the Life in Plym podcast. So come on in and make yourself at home. Everyone is welcome here on the podcast. This is a safe, inclusive space to hang out, chat and learn something new. The world is a better place when we understand and respect each other's differences and we try to listen to one another. I couldn't agree more. And the university is the same. The more we understand students who are different to us, the more we listen to each other and the happier we will all be. Equality and diversity are important for a fair and thriving society. And we can all do our part to promote this. So if you want to know more about how you can get involved with promoting equality and celebrating diversity whilst at university, then keep on listening. Today, we have an amazing interview with Andy Grace, who is the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Manager at the University of Plymouth. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. So today on the podcast, we've got Andy Grace with us from the university. Andy, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your job and as well as introducing your own podcast? Absolutely, yes. So I'm Andy. I'm the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Manager for the university. Um, And I'm also an Associate Lecturer in Education at the university, as well as um, having my own podcast, which is called When Did You Know? Um, And each week I have a guest and we explore LGBT identity coming out um, and how to be yourself as an LGBT person by asking about the very moment that they knew they were LGBT+. Cool, that sounds amazing. And what we'll do is we'll put a link in the description for Andy's podcast if you want to check that out. I would recommend that. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking about equality and diversity, which are two very different things. So we're going to kick off by asking you, Andy, what does equality and diversity mean to you? I think to start off... I know so many people switch off if they hear the words equality and diversity, so please don't switch off. Um, But for me, equality and diversity is really personal. So I was bullied a lot in school. I had no role models, and that was part of the reason why I started the podcast. But I had no role models. um, I had very little confidence um, by the time I left and finished my A-levels. And it took me quite a while to get to university. But when I eventually did, I was about 23, I think. but LGBT plus identities, homophobia, biphobia and transphobia were still very much absent from the curriculum. Um, I had some amazing lecturers, though, and they basically agreed that it wasn't right. And they let me kind of change their curriculum <laughs> and um, introduce a module about homophobia in schools because my degree was in education. And so I now teach on that program that I was a student on. So basically a lot of us lack role models and lack representation, whether we're LGBT plus, a person of colour, someone with a disability. We just aren't represented in the same way that white, heterosexual, able-bodied and mostly male people are. And that isn't right. So I don't want to feel invisible and I don't want other people to either. And that's what it means to me. Equality and diversity isn't just a tick box to try and make us look good as a university it's deeply personal and it should be and it should be about creating spaces where everyone sees themselves represented and they feel that they can always be themselves as well. I really like the way you kind of became the change you wanted to see especially like in the university it's really inspirational. 
Thank you. I was just really bossy because <laughs> I mean, it's student, and that's definitely helped with my job. But yeah, it's um, if you see a gap, then do something to, to change it and to fill it. Yeah. Do you think that lack of equality, as well as like lack of being able to see role models, do you think that stops a lot of youth who maybe identify as LGBT or they're a person of colour? Do you think it stops them from attending university, or once they get to university, do you think it stops them from succeeding? I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit of a mix. So there's definitely, if you've gone through education, if you've gone through primary school, secondary, high school, um, and you've not seen yourself represented, then you can't see what someone who looks like you, or thinks like you, or behaves like you can achieve. And so if you don't see it, how can you be it? It's really, it is really difficult to kind of to aim for something if there's no positive examples in front of you. If you do get to university, um, and I'll speak from an LGBT plus perspective, because that's definitely the perspective I know best, because it's my lived experience, but you, LGBT people are more likely to have mental ill health. They're more likely to have addiction issues and substance abuse. Um, they're more likely to be bullied and harassed and discriminated against. And that's everywhere across the UK, not just uh, this university. So if you manage to get to university in the first place, there's already then so many extra barriers that you have to overcome just to keep afloat, let alone to progress. Um, And it very much depends on the course, I think, as well sometimes. So some courses might be better equipped to enable you to explore what it means to be LGBT, for example. And my course at Plymouth, I did BA education and it helped me to do that. I think I hadn't realised how much being LGBT had held me back or had impacted my mental health for so long but the course helped me to bring my personal experience into the degree so yeah I think it's kind of a mix of before you get here and getting here there's already so many barriers you have to overcome and that's if you're just a single I mean no one is a single identity so that's forgetting that if you're a person of colour and LGBT or um, a person of colour and have a disability then there's just multiple barriers that you have to overcome is there something that kind of drew you to Plymouth or something that you found about Plymouth that you really liked and you found quite welcoming or anything like that? Um, kind of two reasons. The boring reason is I was living in the area, so I was already living here, so it was easier, but there were definitely other options around. But I came to an open day and I went to a few different talks about different courses. The one on education, the two people there, I mean, and they gave me my first job in the university as well after I graduated and they're now good friends. So I'm a bit biased, but they were so welcoming, so genuinely passionate. And they talked a lot about social justice and human rights, which I had never really put together with education, which I mean, now it's quite obvious that well absolutely (laughs) so education is all about social justice and human rights basic rights but I'd never put that together before um and they just sold the course to me they didn't really have to talk about the specifics or how it was going to be graded or anything or even career outcomes I just really wanted to spend some time around those amazing lecturers with all their knowledge um which is kind of like a bit geeky but I just absolutely loved them and and the course was amazing. It absolutely changed my life. And again, because they they allowed me to bring the personal into the professional, which I think is really important. I think a lot of the time when we go into 
workplaces, whatever business or industry we end up in, we kind of, it's really easy to forget that they're human beings and we've got stories that we need to share and we need to hear their stories as well. But the degree helped me to kind of bring all that together. So, I love that. It's one of the reasons why going to university is so important because it just like you meet so many different people and you really open your mind and you realise, and this is a big thing to realise when you're 18 and the world revolves around you, that there are so many different stories going on and so many different people from different backgrounds. And going to university is obviously a huge privilege, but it's also a really amazing experience to meet these different people. Absolutely. There's not there's nowhere else that you you would get that. And actually, it prepares you so much for the real world. Like we don't live in our own echo chambers. So we have to learn how to be around other people, especially people we probably don't agree with. Like, and that's really hard, but you have to learn how to handle and speak with and be around people who have maybe the complete opposite um, ideals, the complete opposite thoughts to you. But that's the only way you kind of learn how to navigate through life. Definitely. And touching on what you said earlier about meeting these lecturers and talking a little bit about human rights and kind of just absorbing all these new ideas, do you think higher education is important for kind of improving equality within society? I think education generally is. I don't think it is exactly higher education. I think higher education has a role to play for some people, but for other people, university doesn't suit them and that's absolutely fine. So I think education in the broadest sense of the word, and that can be through formal education like universities or college or even apprenticeships. But it can also be through like everyday life experiences. Education isn't just restricted to a classroom. It's about what we learn when we go to a theatre. It's what we learn from television, from reading. So education as a whole absolutely has a right to play, a role to play rather. And we never stop learning or we shouldn't ever stop learning. I think it's really easy to kind of ignore a lot of the messages that we're taking in from society, from the media all the time. But we need to learn, all of us, at every stage of our life to be more critical and use that as a learning opportunity. So when we're just sitting watching the news, I don't know, that makes me sound really old. (laughs) I don't know who actually sits and watches the news. But if you see the news or I'm watching TV and something challenges you, um, my my rabbi calls it non-judgmental curiosity. So if something bothers you, if something triggers you, and this happened a lot with the Black Lives Matter movement, when there was a lot of people who were angry because it was, well, I'm not racist, I don't. And they probably probably aren't racist, but why are they so angry? And that's the thing. It's not about judging yourself for having that anger, but trying to be curious and to understand, well, what can I learn from this? Why have I had that reaction to it? So education, in the broadest sense of the term, absolutely has a role to play. Yeah, I don't think it's ever easy to kind of challenge your own views. And if it was, then we'd all be perfect and we'd all be thinking the same. But it, you're right, it is, you've always got to think. The first thing, the first thought, thought that comes into your mind isn't always what you believe. It's just maybe just a thought. And whether you kind of attach onto it or you kind of let it pass or you kind of reflect on it, or you challenge it, that's your decision to make, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think I mentioned echo chambers earlier, and we all do it. Like if you're on social media, we all quite rightly kind of follow and interact with people who agree with us. Like, why would we want (laughs) to interact with people who like, who we don't agree with? But it's also really important to understand those opposing opinions. Sometimes I'm not saying that we should all go and like follow 
some hateful or horrible figures from the world. I'm not going to try and name individuals. Um, I'm not saying, yeah, flood your timelines with negativity. But equally, if we can understand how some people have got to that viewpoint, it makes it a little bit easier to understand what we can do to either convince them or what we can do to make sure other people don't go down that rabbit hole of hate. Yeah, exactly. And we don't want to kind of like alienate ourselves from others just for having different beliefs, which is quite easy to do in this day and age, especially maybe even something like politics, where you have a really strong opposing views. It's really easy to be a really divisive topic, but we need to kind of overcome that and look past that and see the individuals as well as their beliefs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely find that when you have all these conflicting opinions in some things, you often find you're fighting about the same issue. Like you're both worried about the economy or you're both worried about human rights or you're both worried about preserving culture in some way, but like you have very different reasons why you're worried about this and very very different places where you're putting your opinion and things that you're attacking. And actually, if we sit down and talk and get to the bottom of it, most people just want their world to be a little bit better, but some people just end up going down a certain path you know, um, and it is hard. You can't always sit down with people and have conversations. And I think there's a lot of context collapse with social media and people posting things. But I do think that's a really important lesson for the students that are listening, Andy, and I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's and it's like, it's hard. I think um, when I worked with you both last year, there were so many times when I think I'd probably complain a fair bit because a large part of my job is about arguing and that's fine that's arguing in a constructive way obviously but a large part of my job is about arguing and it's about um, engaging with people with very different opinions to yourself but I couldn't do my job if I didn't have that there's no point surrounding yourself with people who agree with you you're not going to learn anything and that's not the real world And since you're talking about your job, can we talk about the kind of wins that you have had, the positive things that have happened um, even last year or this year? Yeah, I mean, this year has been a bit strange (laughs) because of COVID, but um, I think a lot of the student, so we do, I do lots of stuff for staff and students, probably a bit more for staff, but, um, but a lot of the student facing stuff is quite visible, which is nice. So we have our amazing pride flag, which we put up in February last year. So it's been up for almost a full year now, which is just outside the roll marquee if anyone is um, on campus, which was really, really important. It was really nice to have that up. It was a big event for the local community and not just within the university either. So a lot of the local press covered it as well. Because again, it's really important. It might just seem like a little thing, but it's really important to see that the university actually really supports LGBT rights and is making a real visible commitment to them. Um, We also had a big international fashion show last year for Black History Month, which was so much fun, a bit stressful, but so much fun. Um, And we had our local refugee and asylum seeker communities come together to showcase their culture and their national costume, which it's kind of something they don't normally get to do. So it was great to enable that. But there's also lots of stuff behind the scenes that students don't necessarily see. So we're currently working on, we've, I chair an LGBT plus inclusion task force, which has a very fancy name. Um, I thought it made us sound very powerful and important. So that's why I called it that. But we're essentially looking at every single policy, process, practice at the university for students as well as staff um, to make sure that they work for LGBT plus staff and students. So it could be things like um, changing names for uh, our trans students. 
it can be about what well-being support is offered to specific communities. Um, and it's really great to, to be able to do that. It's kind of 12 months of real concentrated action to make sure our university is working for everyone. Um, and then on the other, so as well as that, we're also looking at decolonizing our curriculum, which is a, a massive project, which will take several years, as it should. I think a lot of the time, equality and diversity work takes time and it should because we're dismantling some systemic issues that have been there for decades so we're not going to solve them really quickly but we are working on decolonizing our curriculum to make sure it's representative of everyone yeah and then I mean staff wise there's a lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes to support staff so the same way that students have societies we have staff networks for LGBT women's networks staff with disabilities parents and carers menopause support and grief and bereavement and they work very similar to societies. So they lobby the university for change on specific areas. They help us write policies. They have social activities, learning events and stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's quite a lot going on. <laughs> I think that all sounds amazing and so positive. And what I really liked as well is that there's some symbolic acts like putting up the flag, which has such an impact that people don't see. But backing that up as well, there is meaningful action going on behind the scenes. And like you said, meaningful action can be slow and sometimes you have to argue for it which you do a wonderful job doing um but it's just amazing to see that happen and like I think it's good for our students to hear that because it's nice to have some wins this year when this year has feel, felt like one crisis after the other absolutely and the the thing I'm most excited about hasn't actually happened yet but literally heard half an hour ago that um we've had approval to launch scholarships for asylum seekers so this has been 18 months in the in the planning in planning and when I talk about arguing and it takes a long time to plan that's not because anyone's against them it's just with a massive organization it takes quite a while <laughs> to get things to the point that we can launch them so I'm really really excited about that so for the first time we will have scholarships for starting off with just three per year and that'll open for applications in January so keep an eye out for all the information on that but that's something that's going to make a genuine difference to the lives of so many students uh, with fee waivers and living bursaries as well so I'm really really excited about that. That's a really great win congratulations. That, well thank you but it's, <laughs> it's not just me it's uh, a lot of people. But everyone behind the scenes. Yeah yeah. Well done to everyone then. <laughs> So speaking of all of the university wins, is there one thing that you're absolutely the most proud of or is that this scholarship? Oh, um, the scholarships, definitely. I think I'm also really proud and it's, again, it's not been able to happen for quite a while because of COVID, but last year we launched a dining project called Our Table. And I mean, some some evenings were busier than others, but generally it was amazing. So the idea was that staff and students would come together over a shared meal once every like two or three months. And everyone just had to bring a dish that represented them or their culture. So it's quite simple. But the first one was like, I'm not really an emotional person, but it did make me a little bit emotional. It was, um, it was amazing. We had, there was like 20 something people there from so many different cultures and backgrounds. And we had um, an Israeli student sharing recipes and laughing and joking with a Palestinian student, which like you wouldn't see that on the news. Like we only ever hear the bad things from that part of the world. 
and that just summed up perfectly like the power of food the power of bringing people together over a meal the power of finding commonalities despite whatever differences and whatever conflicts might be going on in the world so I'm really really proud of that and it should have carried on but COVID meant that it wasn't the safest thing to do Um, and it was supposed to be um, incorporated into the education program at the university as an example of experiential learning so what you can learn through other cultures through food and through shared experience but fortunately it had to be pulled through covid but hopefully the next year or even the year after then we can start that up again but yeah i was really really proud of that and i will disclose that i did in fact attend a couple of these events including <laughs> the first one um and i completely agree that like that first one was just really really beautiful and just like so positive and everybody was just like rotating around and talking to absolutely everybody in the room and there was such a variety of food and I met so many interesting people and I don't think a single person left not feeling like nourished both with the food and just like their soul as well um so I really really do hope that project gets picked up again yeah I hope so too I mean and I'm glad you said that like food isn't just fuel for your body it does feed your soul which I know sounds corny but it it does it's it's so important in the way I mean we think of any activities that we do um I know Christmas is a bit odd this year but for people who celebrate Christmas a large part of that is a massive Christmas dinner so like we celebrate around food food is what brings people together um and also it's one of those real markers of of culture and it's something that where and particularly and I've done a lot of work with the refugee and asylum seekers but particularly when people have escaped war zones they arrive in the UK with nothing but they at least still remember the recipes and they can cook so they can at least bring that if they can't bring anything else from home with them so food is incredibly powerful I think that's why that one's stayed with me and I can't wait till eventually we get it started again we've probably come to the end of all of our questions maybe just have one more if we've got time and we just wanted to ask, how can students get involved with making the university a more welcoming, welcoming place for other people today? Um, practically, go to things when you can, whether it's online or in person. So go to things, take part in events, activities, um, any extra learning opportunities. And that can be stuff that like my team have organised. It can be stuff that UPSU have organised. It can be um, stuff around the city, whether it's in the, the museums or the art galleries go to stuff to try and understand other people I know I keep saying it but we don't live in an echo chamber and we have to understand the experiences of other people especially those we don't agree with and then I think and this is one that I'm definitely still learning myself but more holistically try not to react from anger (laughs) there's so many injustices in the world and there are so many things that it's worth getting angry about but it's exhausting and I, you know, I absolutely say that from experience. So react from a place of understanding and listen, always listen to others. So I keep saying we naturally surround ourselves with people who think like us and agree with us, but it gets us nowhere. Have conversations with people who challenge us, with people who we don't agree with um, and try and do it from a place of love and understanding rather than from anger, anger, because the anger will only work for so long. And then eventually you'll be exhausted. They'll be exhausted and you would have achieved nothing. I think that's a really nice way to end it and it gives us like it rounds up really nicely I think it's trying to understand where other people are coming from and not just thinking about ourselves but thinking about 
how we can relate to others, how we can connect with others and how we can learn more about others. And that's really nice. So yeah. thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank yeah, you. Thank you it's so much. <laughs> Bye. Once again, another huge thank you to Andy for this interview. It was truly amazing to talk to you today. And I think we've all learned something new and changed our perspective just a little bit. Millie, what did you think of the interview? I think it was great. I think like we didn't discuss anything like massively controversial, but rather how to kind of approach controversial issues and topics with other people and how to understand people more. And I think that's really important in today's society. Definitely. I think something I took from that is that it is always okay to learn something new. It is always okay to change your mind and grow and have a different perspective and that there's no shame in, you know, changing your mind once you learn something new rather than being stubborn and keeping hold of a belief just for the sake of it. And I think that's a really important lesson. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because it's so difficult to change your views and opinions because you have them for a reason or you've developed them for um, whatever reason it might be. And to, But to actually recognise that you might have not believed the right thing or it might be what your beliefs might be wrong is actually a massive sign of growth and personal growth. And it's really exciting when you actually do kind of change your views and you actually say, actually, I'm going to challenge myself a little bit today and I'm going to grow. 100%. And we are all about that positive growth on this podcast. So once again, thank you so much, Andy. And thank you so much to our dear listeners for tuning in. And we will speak to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.